such a, a joy to come together. It was great to be here last week. I know we, we, we snuck in up the back a little bit late and uh, just uh, enjoyed worshipping together and, and coming together. And welcome this morning, everyone. Um, it's great to see some old faces and new faces, as has already been said. It really is a privilege for me to, to and an honour to, to stand up here and share God's Word with you. And my prayer is that God will speak to every one of us this morning. And kids, you know, last week I saw some kids with their notebooks and their pens and they were listening to Mike and they were writing stuff down, Mike. I don't know if it's your jokes or your, your points or the verses. But kids, God can speak to you and I encourage you, if you've got a bit, of, a bit of paper and a pen, you might draw some pictures while I'm talking, but maybe there's some things that God's going to talk to you about this morning. You might be only five years old, you might be 15 years old. I believe God wants to speak to you. You might be 95 or 105. God wants to speak to you this morning, I believe, and I just encourage you to get your pen and paper, write some things down. If you take notes on your phone, that's fine too, just don't go on Facebook, um, or you can Facebook it later, um, but the, your notes if you really want to, but uh, I just want to say thank you for your support as a church. For those who don't know, we've just had an, a, another baby, it's number five, um, and it's a bit scary, but uh, here he is, just because I can, I'll show you, there is Michael Andrew Cox, what a great name. And uh, oh, there's another little one. Oh, isn't he beautiful? Yeah. He's uh, at home with Rochelle. Actually, Rochelle, maybe at the doctor's, she just wasn't feeling quite 100%. One of those feeding issues. If you're a mum and you've had that issue, you didn't understand what I'm talking about. Uh, just getting it checked out this morning. But uh, thank you for your prayers and your support. Um, really appreciate it. The fact that you guys went to the, the trouble of building a footpath for us because we now have five kids and you thought it'd be hard for us to walk to church. I just think you guys are amazing. Give yourselves a, a pat on the back. Uh, that was you, wasn't it? I, I don't know. Um, I came back to church and it's a, foot, it's a footpath. Wow. It's amazing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we are in awe of your mercy and your grace. Lord, I'm so aware of my humanity, Lord, just being a dad, being a husband at home and looking after dirty nappies and cooking meals. And Lord, we're so aware of our humanity, God, of our struggles. But God, I just pray today that you would speak to us, even in the midst of our struggle, Lord, even in the midst of the, the craziness of the start of a year, God, I just pray that you would speak to us, Lord, this morning. That, God, you would encourage each one. That, Lord, you would stir faith within us this morning, God. Lord, where our faith maybe has been like a raging fire, but it's just dimmed down to almost just that dull glow of a coal. Lord, I pray you would fan into flame again this morning, God. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and grace, for your presence here with us today. We just thank you, Lord, for what you're going to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got your Bibles there, I want to encourage you to open it up and we're going to have a look at one, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 14 this morning. And uh, if you've got your Bible, go for it, open it up. We're going to finish our series this morning on pressing play on a year of daring faith. Although really I think every Sunday is about pressing play on a, another week of daring faith. 2 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 1. It says, when Abijah died, who was the king, he was buried in the city of David. Then his son Asa became the next king. Who'd like to be called Asa? I don't know. I just wouldn't call my kid. Maybe there's some Asas in the room. Sorry, it's a great name. Um, 
There was peace in the land for ten years. Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the pagan shrines. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. Those things that were detestable to God. He hated those things. He commanded the people of Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his law and his commands. Asa also removed the pagan shrines as well as the incense altars from every one of Judah's towns. So Asa's kingdom enjoyed a period of peace. During those peaceful years, he was able to build up the fortified towns throughout Judah. No one tried to make war against him at this time, for the Lord was giving him rest from his many enemies. Asa was a good king. He did good things. It says he, he did what was pleasing and good in the sight of God. And it goes on to talk about how the army of millions of Ethiopians came to attack. And, and King Asa was kind of like, my goodness, our army is tiny. What shall we do? And it says he cries out to God. And God answered his cry and they defeated the, the Ethiopians. It says he cried out to God. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. It's interesting, um, the kingdom, kingdom of Israel it, it divided. There was a northern part of Israel and the southern part of Israel, which was Judah. And during the kingdom of, of Asa, many of the people in the northern tribes actually came to, to live in the southern kingdom with King Asa because of his obedience to God, because of what God was doing in that place at that time, before they were taken off into captivity. Um, so it was, a, it was a blessed time. He was a good king during that time. But then we get to 2 Chronicles 16, just two chapters later. I'm not going to read it this morning, but you might have a look. And it says, King Asa decided to make a treaty with King Ben-Hadad of Aram. And that was a big no-no. It was like God, God had said, don't make treaties with the foreign kings. Don't do that. And Asa did it. And there's consequences with disobedience. And we read in verse 7 to 13 that Hanani comes to King Asa and says, oh sorry, yep, I was supposed to click them, thanks Charlie. He says, because you have trusted in the kings around you and not trusted in your God, you're going to be at war. You're no longer going to have peace. You're going to have war through the rest of your lifetime. And your whole kingdom is going to be at war because you trusted in other things other than me. That was the consequence of his mistrust, of his lack of faith. And Hanani goes on and says, You know, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen. Some translations say, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Hanani says, King Asa, what are you doing? What are you, why are you doing this? God is searching to strengthen you if you would just trust him. And it goes on to say, King Asa never cried out to God again from that time. He refused. He, he, he didn't cry out to God. Even though he got sick and he, he was critically sick, he would not cry out to God. And in the end, he died. Just three years later, after that treaty was made, he died. And war continued on in the land. It says you lost your chance. You could have had freedom in, in the land, but you lost it. You turned away. Just a, a little sidetrack. The other day we had uh, the Telstra technician come to our house. Did you know the Telstra technicians actually exist and there's not just phone people on the other end of the line? I was, thank you, Jesus. 
Um, we, we had, we've had some internet issues at our house, I'll just put it that way. And uh, we, Justin's smiling and going, praise God, Coxie. Um, and w- w- I, I, I'm, I'll let you into a secret. I emailed them and made a complaint. And they were onto it like that. It was amazing. And, and they rang up and they, they sent out this technician. And the te- technician came and he starts to investigate what the problem is because they, they know there's a problem. And within about 30 seconds, he goes, I know what the problem is. You've got a broken leg. And I'm like, what kind of technician are you? You're like, this is the internet. My leg doesn't have anything to do with this. But apparently a broken leg means basically there's two wires that are supposed to come into your house for the phone and the internet and all that. And a broken leg is when one of those wires is broken. It's disconnected. You've got a broken leg. You can't run with a broken leg. You walk at a snail's pace or even times out and doesn't have a connection. And within 30 seconds, he'd found this problem. And it got me thinking. We had internet that was connected. There was a connection, but it was practically useless. It was all but dead, even though it was actually there. And it got me thinking. I thought, is it possible that our faith can be a little bit like our internet was? That it's, there's a connection there, but it, it's got a broken leg. And there's a, there's a connection, but it's practically useless in day-to-day life. I mean, I know God's Word says that faith like a mustard seed can move mountains. And I, I know there's sayings that we say, we don't have to have big faith but faith in a big God. But what's the purpose of faith? Why do we have faith? Why do we need faith? Why do we want faith? Is it, is it really that important if it just goes a snail's pace instead of a 50 gigabyte speed? Like, does it matter? Is, is, is faith important? Is, is daring faith even all that important? Or is, or is faith more like a, a special VIP card? You just sort of flash it and you get special privileges, get special blessings. Or is faith like, oh, we've got faith, we're saved, we can just chill now, we, we, we've, we've got it sorted. Why do we want faith? What's faith about in your life? I'm not having a go at anyone, I just want you to think, why do we care about faith? Do you care about faith? Or maybe the question is, if you don't, should you care about faith? Someone gave me a, a book the other day, and uh, to be honest, I haven't read it, read it all, but I've read part of it, and I'm enjoying it. It's called The Normal Christian Birth by David Pawson. And in it, he asks the question, what does it mean to become a Christian? What does the normal Christian birth look like in the New Testament? What's the, what's the normal natural process of becoming a Christian. What does it mean? What does it, how does it fit together? And part of the book is that he raises four different emphases, emphases, emphases of different groups within the church, different groups within the Christian church that have different emphases about what it means to be a Christian, how we get saved. What, what happens? What, what's the important things? And he, this is my very brief summary of what he talks about in the whole book, but he, he mentions these things. He talks about repentance towards God. People, some people say it's all about repentance. Say sorry for what you've done and you're saved. You can then go do what you want. Well, maybe that's one extreme. Maybe the other extreme is repentance towards God is what saves. Turn or burn. 
Some people emphasize believing in the Lord Jesus. It's all about if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. If you believe, you will be saved. If you believe, you'll be saved. It's all about faith, but it doesn't matter what you do. If you have faith, you'll be saved. Don't worry about anything else. Some would emphasize being baptized. That if you are baptized, you'll be saved, some people might say. Some churches might say it that way. And some people will get their kids baptized as soon as they're born because they believe there's, there's some connection between baptism and being saved. So it's, it's, it's vital. And there's other people in the church that might emphasize receiving the Holy Spirit. And there's some twists of truth that would say you're only saved if certain things happen in the Holy Spirit. And there's different emphases about what salvation means, what it looks like. David Pawson goes on to say that he believes all of these things are vitally important. Every one of these things is, is a normal, natural part of salvation in the New Testament as we read through Acts, as we look at the accounts of people being saved. I want us just to have a look at a few of them this morning. And it's interesting that none of them are noted every time someone gets saved. It's explained differently in every situation in the book of Acts. And we'll just have a look at a few of them just briefly. Acts chapter 2, it says, on the day of Pentecost, Peter shares the gospel and the people say, what should we do? And he says, repent, believe and be baptized. He doesn't mention anything about faith. He doesn't um, mention, it's just about believing. Acts chapter 8, he talks about the Ethiopian eunuch. And he, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading, he doesn't understand. The, Philip goes and sits with him, he explains it. And then he goes, hey, look. There's some water. Why can't I be baptized? The emphasis is baptism. Interestingly, if you look at some of the other manuscripts, it seems that some people a long time back actually have added, and most of your Bibles wouldn't have it, but it'll have a little asterisk and note that some manuscripts actually include an extra verse that says, you can be baptized if you believe with all your heart. So it sort of adds in that declaration of faith that, yes, I believe. But it doesn't mention repentance. It doesn't re mention receiving the Spirit. Acts chapter 9, it talks about Paul. And let's have a read of that one. It says, So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. It talks about baptism. It talks about receiving the Spirit. It doesn't specifically mention repentance, although it seems pretty obvious. He's killing Christians, and then he starts preaching about Jesus. Uh, it doesn't uh, mention belief, even, but it's kind of obvious. And we could look at uh, others. I'll just look at one other. Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, uh, this Roman army captain. It doesn't mention belief or repentance, but it talks about receiving the Holy Spirit and baptism. So every one of them, every, every account is different, but emphasizing one of the same truths. And they were all, uh, Paul kind of assumed that everyone understood these are the natural, normal things. And yes, it happened with him too. And oh, look, yes, he received the Spirit too. And yes, the Roman could be baptized as well. The Gentile. 
and it emphasizes different things, but they are all vital and normal parts of the Christian birth in the New Testament and still today. We could this morning look at all about what salvation is not. Oh, sorry, Romans talks about as well. Chapter 2, repentance from sin. Chapter 3, declared right when we believe. Chapter 6, joined with Christ in baptism. Chapter 8, those who have the Spirit belong to Him. All are vital. We could look at what the Spirit is not. Uh, spirit. Salvation is not. Salvation is not any one of those things at the exclusion of the other things. We can't just be baptised and not repent and believe and receive the Spirit. As it says in Romans, we just briefly referred to that passage that talks about we cannot be uh, children of God if we don't, haven't received the Spirit of God. We can't be without all of those things. James does so well at saying that faith without works is dead in chapter 2. Also in chapter 2, James says, there will be no mercy for those who show no mercy. If we don't change our ways, if we don't repent and start to be like Him and follow Him, belief is not, not enough. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, even the demons believe in Jesus, but they're terrified of Him. We can believe in Jesus, but that's not salvation. Salvation is not inviting Jesus into your heart. If you just pray a prayer, and invite Jesus into your heart. That's not salvation in its entirety. It might be the beginning, but it's not salvation on its own. Salvation is not just saying thank you to God. It's not saying thank you God for loving us. It's not about asking Jesus to be your friend. It's not knowing Jesus loves you, even if you believe it. That on its own is not salvation. It's not knowing about God. It's not going to church. It's not being a good person. That's what salvation is not. So many verses challenge that way of thinking. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, If anyone says he loves God and hates his brother, he is a liar. It's a strong statement. It's a challenging statement. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says a few things. He says, Jesus challenges the people and says, Don't pray loud prayers to impress people. He says, Don't do your good deeds in public, or that'll be your only reward, people's praise. He says, don't judge others or you'll be judged. He says, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We, we cast out demons. We did miracles in your name. And he says, away from me, I never knew you. Those things don't equal salvation. I believe biblical salvation is not just an event. It's not what we do or don't do, but it's whose we are. Is Jesus Lord or not? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Is He the King of your heart? Is He your Saviour? Salvation can begin with any one of those things we mentioned. It could begin with you realising that Jesus wants to be your friend. It might be a revelation of, of God's love for you that brings you to salvation. Any one of those things can begin the journey of salvation. And probably many of us could point to a time in our life when we, we had a revelation of God's love or maybe you, you had a revelation of your sinfulness and your need for a saviour and that was a part of the process that you can say, yes, that's the time when I recognise that I got saved somewhere around there. Maybe you can point to the time when you said, yeah, that's the time I was baptised but I know I was actually saved before then. 
Maybe you can point to the time when you, you recognise God filled you with His Spirit. His Spirit came upon you. Biblically, it seems, these things all were the normal, natural things. Sometimes it happened in minutes. Sometimes it happened within hours or days. And other times it took longer. Other times it was quite a gap between the first event and the, the, the other events that followed. And that's still the case today. As Sam said a couple of weeks ago, uh, it's great having a podcast to listen to when you're away. G'day to anyone listening on the podcast. Uh, it's not, we're all on a journey. We're all on a different journey. And it's not about the speed that we travel, but it's about continuing the journey that's important. It's not where you're at right now, it's which direction are you headed? Who's the Lord of your life? Are you following after Him or are you living for yourself? Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 6 as we try and wrap things together a little bit. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 12. Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. Just skipping down to verse 9. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. I hope it doesn't apply to any one of us. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love for Him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our greatest desire, our great desire, is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the examples of those who are going to inherit God's promise because of their faith and endurance. I find that a stirring passage. Lord, let me not become a person who's spiritually dull and indifferent, but to go on in love and caring for others and making certain the hope that I have, I know is really true. That I truly have placed my hope and faith in the living God. Salvation is not the end. Salvation is just the beginning of the rewards that God offers for those who have faith in Him. Let's not be like King Asa, who began well but drifted off track. He didn't align the beacon's mic. He didn't check his compass. And he drifted. Sorry, if you missed the last couple of weeks, you have to get the podcast. Let's not be like King Asa. Is faith important? Absolutely. It is vital to salvation. It is, it is, faith 
is counted as righteousness before God. We do not have righteousness. We're all sinners, but we can be saved because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And if we put our faith in him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to give us eternal life, even though we deserve judgment. And you can make that decision today, even if you throw paper planes at me. (laughs) Sorry, that's for the kids at the front. (laughs) We can have faith that saves us and transforms our world. Or we can have faith that may save us and barely affects our life. As it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15, I'm not going to read it all, but it talks about how we can build with many different things as Christians in this life. If we lay our life upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, we will be saved. But if, if faith doesn't affect what we build, we will suffer great loss and we will be one escaping, like one escaping through the flames. I don't want to be one that suffers great loss and escapes through the flames. Who, who scrapes across the line. I want to run with endurance the race marked out before me. How about you? God's desire is to strengthen us as we remain fully committed to Him. Maybe you feel like you've got a broken leg in your faith right now. There's a connection but you feel like it's just practically not making any difference in your life. You know you believe Jesus died for your sin, but right now it's just not making any difference in your day-to-day life. And I want to encourage you to check the connection. God's looking to strengthen you, and I want to ask you to check the connection. Check our wiring. Are we living in repentance towards God? Have we repented of our sin? Have we said, God... I'm sorry for the things I've done, that I have turned my back on you, I've lived for myself, I've tried to be my own king, my own God, and I'm sorry for what I've done, God. Repentance isn't just being sorry, it's turning away from sin and turning towards God. Are we, are we living a repentant life that, that's, that's going on after God and living for Him? There's one part of your wiring you can check. Are you believing in the Lord Jesus? Are you trusting that He is your only hope? Are you trusting that your, your life, your eternity, your joy, your pleasure comes from Him alone? Everything we have is a gift from Him. Is our hope in Jesus or is it in Jesus plus a new big TV? Is it in Jesus plus, I don't know, whatever it is? Is our belief and trust and faith in Jesus. Have we been baptised? Have we obeyed Jesus in the, the step of baptism? And are we continuing on in obedience to his call? Baptism is about immersion. It's about being fully covered by the Spirit of God, having our sin washed away. But he wants us not just to have a one-off baptism, but to go on fully immersed in Him, everything we do, everywhere we go, that we're, we're talking with Him. Paul says, pray continually. Be immersed. Go on in baptism. It's not that you have to be baptized every week or every month or every time you mess up, but go on in your baptism as a new creation in Christ. There's another way you can check your wiring. 
Have we received the Holy Spirit? You know, the normal thing in the book of Acts was the people said, oh wow, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The normal thing was that people could see that something had happened in their life. If you're not sure if you have the Holy Spirit, I'd love to pray with you today and say, God, make it, make it known. Make it known that we have your Spirit, that you've filled us with your Spirit. And are we going on day by day being filled with the Spirit? We can get empty. Paul talks about being filled continually. It's not a one-off thing, but it's a continual thing to be filled with the Spirit. Are we spending time with God, being filled, being rejuvenated, refreshed, allowing that spring of living water to rise up within us? If you've got a broken leg, check your wiring. I say all these things, but I want to say as well, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for every one of us. It's a struggle because you're busy at work, you've had a new baby, someone just did this or that to you and you're angry. It's hard because you want to impress your boss, your friend, your wife, your husband, your kids. There's so many things that make it a struggle. But there's one thing that's worse than struggling and that's not struggling. Don't stay where you are today if you have no faith or a broken faith. Ask God to refresh you. Come to God and say, God, this is where I'm at, and I need you to help me. There's been times in the last couple of weeks when I've had to come to God and say, God, I feel like my faith is a little broken right now. (laughs) I don't feel like being very like Jesus right now. And I've got to say, having a a daily Bible reading plan that makes you open the Word and just read the Bible, it transforms the way you think. It's not just a Bible verse. It actually happens. Let's read the Bible. Let's pray. Let's check our wiring. Because there's one thing that's worse than struggling, and that's not struggling, giving up and just going backwards, turning away from the living God. I want to finish with this analogy and ask the band if they want to come. Have we got any fishermen here today? Anyone who's been fishing in January? Hands up if you've been fishing. Fantastic. Oh, it's a few have. I've been told we're not allowed to have men's fishing trips again. It has to be. <laughs> Doesn't mean we won't, definitely. But <laughs> Sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought. God wants to help you. But maybe you, has anyone been fishing before and you, you, you finally, you, you got to cast out your line and somehow you just haven't quite threaded up the line properly. Maybe it's looped around the, the, around the handle. Maybe it's looped around, like the, the, the reel's just not running properly. Maybe you've missed one of the loopy things. What are they called? Eyelets? I don't know. What are they called? No one knows. Uh, maybe you've missed one of the little loops. And your wiring is just wrong. You've only missed one point. The rest is all perfect. But a fishing rod that is not wired right is no fun at all. You've got to cast out and you just get a big mess of line. You've got to cast out and you're not catching any fish. Or you cast it out and by some miracle it goes out in the water. And the fish grabs the line and you've got to wind it. You're like, ah, it's jammed. And it's just frustrating. You know you've got a fishing rod, you've got a line, you've got a hook, you've got bait. There's a fish on it. But it's no fun because you realise you can't get it because the wiring is not right. 
God wants to help you. He is able to fix your messy line. But let's check our wiring. Let's come before God. Maybe you want to respond this morning and have someone pray with you. But let's realize that with God, nothing is impossible. We're going to sing this song, Through you, I can do anything. Through you, I can do all things, because it's you who gives me strength. Through you, blind eyes are opened. Broken legs are healed. Strongholds are broken. So I'm living by faith. Nothing is impossible. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Faith changes everything. But let's have a living faith that affects our lives and changes everything about us. I want to pray and then we're going to sing. God, I just pray right now for every person in this room. God, I pray for any person in this place who've previously felt that faith is just meaningless, it's pointless. God, I pray that you would stir faith in those people right now. And right now you can put your faith in God, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've thought. If you put your faith in the living God, He will accept your faith as righteousness. He waits for us to come to Him and He welcomes us home. He says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But God, I pray today that we would not just be people who have faith as a little flashcard to say, yeah, I'm saved. But God, our faith in you would change us. That Lord, our faith in you day by day would transform us. That God, our faith in you would just draw us and stir us to come to you day by day that we would grow and go on with you, Lord. Help us to walk in obedience. Help us to walk in your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you would like prayer, <clears throat> please feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray with you. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Never be ashamed to come forward for prayer because we've all needed prayer. <laughs>